Welcome to Stories of Change and Creativity. I'm Judy Oscom, professor and director of the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Texas State University. Our faculty share their research and expertise with students and stakeholders throughout the world. And in doing so, they build a brand that promotes their own careers as well as our university. On this episode, I was honored to talk with Regents Professor Dr. Rodney Rohde. He is chair of the Clinical Laboratory Sciences Program at Texas State University. When the pandemic hit, media outlets looking for answers about COVID-19 turned to distinguished professor, microbiologist, and virologist, Dr. Rodney Rohde. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We covered a lot of topics. You know, it's almost surreal uh, to think about, you know, we're, it's March 29th, 2023, right? We're really in the third year uh, since that. I mean, we're two weeks removed from when that announcement came at Texas State and around the world. Friday, March 13th, 2020 will be a day I'll never forget for a number of reasons. But that's when it all started. And I think, you know, looking in hindsight and that leveraging of who I am and the research I've done, it starts with what we talked about to begin with. It's making sure you go through your degree, you go through your experiential learning, even people that aren't in college or doing other types of of journeys does not mean you can't leverage yourself with respect to your skill set. But that's where it started. Um, Wonderful opportunities with the Department of Health early in my career to kind of start that process, working with an international team. The reason I'm going to bring that up is that whether you're a high school student, a college student, an executive, wherever you're at in your life, surround yourself and mix with different people. And for me, that was an international experience in my 20s that in a research-based effort that eliminated rabies from Texas, I mean, an unbelievable experience, an unbelievable training experience. At the time, I didn't really think that, but looking back, it absolutely transformed my life. When you fast forward to the pandemic, what kind of happened with me, it was a couple of things, and, and I've done this talk actually nationally and talked about it. The first thing that really was effective for me that I'd like to share with anyone is that I realized I was at the right place at the right time to take advantage of a really terrible situation, but but that could help people. Yeah. I had the credentials, I had the experience, and I had the wherewithal and kind of the moment to actually contact our media team. I even contacted the former president's office mm-hmm. and Dr. Bourgeois, our provost, to kind of remind them that, hey, I'm a specialist in virology. My whole life I've been working with viruses. I've got great colleagues around the country and the world. If you need me to answer a couple of questions about the science piece, about the piece that maybe they didn't want to deal with because they were focused on pivoting to online education or they were focused on safety of our students, then let me handle that for you. I'd be happy to. And lo and behold, I had no idea that once I made that opportunity out there, Jamie Blaschke and some of his teams, you know, kind of started slow, a couple of local state types of interviews and opportunities. And then, wow, that first year, really the first year and a half, there were days, Judy, that I was doing six to eight interviews a day. Yeah. Uh, And I mean every day, Mm -hmm. including weekends. You know, my wife even was 
at times like, what in the world? You know, we're driving somewhere on a Saturday and I'd get a phone call and I'd be, I'd be like, and she'd like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I would actually conduct an interview in the car, you know, right. with someone right. from Canada about what's going on. So I still have memories of sitting in parking lots. Yeah, uh, conducting interviews uh, with and people because as a member of the public, not with your scientific background, we were craving information. So it really is. I think people listening need to realize it is a way to help and provide information and fill some gaps. It's not about building a personal brand to sell a product. It's right. about building the information, and I think that's the angle that I think that faculty can take, and educators of all levels, really. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit prior, that I still, when when people like you ask to interview me, or someone asks me that's in my family or friends, and I'm still um, amazed that I had that kind of opportunity to continue to to be interviewed or to write articles or to present because people were craving that information. And it kind of makes sense when I look backwards, but I'm, it's still a little uncomfortable as we talked about. And I think most people would, you know, say that if you're a researcher, you're an educator, you know, many professors and others are humble. You know, we're here to educate students. We're here to to help our colleagues and do our best. And I'm, I'm just like that. In fact, that's my upbringing. Um, and so at times this was an uncomfortable thing, mm-hmm. but again, great mentoring people around me saying, cause I would ask them, is this, is this too much? And they're like, no, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you're in the moment and, yeah. and you have the background and the knowledge. And so, you know, by all means take advantage of that opportunity. So I, I totally, I so totally getting over so. that then, how, how did you get past that? And really understanding you have the expertise. That's the first thing. So you've got the knowledge base. Then, then what do you recommend people do who are, who are in this same Yeah, spot? once you kind of get to that spot, uh, and I think it's about, it's a couple of things, getting confidence that you are the right person to do it. And I definitely felt that. Um, I, I think what the trigger that flipped for me was when colleagues and those people that I had never met, like a former director of CDC or or individuals like that, started sharing my information. Mm -hmm. Our other experts were reaching out to me from National Geographic, Mm -hmm. from Time, from Newsweek, Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the BBC, by all means. I mean, all these people that that are in the media that were seeking that information and then establishing that relationship, which we've talked about recently in a faculty development workshop. As as you're a faculty member, establishing those networks. This is really not rocket science. It's everything my parents taught me and and other Mm -hmm. professors. Strong networks, doing the right thing, following up those with those opportunities of thanks and gratitude and offering uh, to go the next step. Uh, and, And what that's meant for me is that even now, three years later, when something happens like monkeypox, currently there's some issues with, um, Marburg virus and there's some other things going on right now I'm still getting those hits from those relationships sure. I made uh, which is really a take-home lesson because now I feel like I can spend more time really focusing in with laser sharp uh, information and kind of choosing the right outlets that I want to go with um, and perhaps we can talk about some of those too as we talk yeah. today about different vehicles to to kind of share your research well, and I think, too, once 
once you have established who you are, then establishing what your message is. And yes. I think that's something that you were able to do, and that's based on years. But faculty, educators, professionals out there, I mean, I think it's it's a way for them to promote not only themselves in their career, but their university. Can you talk about what it's done for Texas State? Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Uh, in fact, one of the ways I often talk about it is that that was, it, it was not, it was the content, obviously, but what a fantastic way as a chair and a professor of a medical laboratory science program, the very people conducting testing for COVID, to recruit and to, and to put that light, I mean a bright light, on our college, on my program, and the university. Uh, Dr. Bourgeois even made comment of this when I was named Regents Professor about you know, being one of the first faculty, and there are many others now that are doing this that really help Texas State to kind of gain some um, some light on the national stage of, of because people look at those sorts of things, right? They look at those types of international and national interviews, the types of articles that are coming out that are being shared globally, uh, and so that that effort was right there with it. And as a Bobcat, you know, I love Texas State. Sure. You know, my story of being a three-time alum and, and my grandmother went here. But it would have been anywhere. I mean, wherever you're at, yeah. if you can bring that kind of, of name recognition and excellence to your entity, your institution, then why not? And, and, and that way you can kind of help build a bigger a bigger platform for your research and your your ability to be a subject matter expert around the world. Well, and I think, too, we, we know about brands. We hear the term brand a lot. Right. And so to combine that with a faculty position, I think it only helps. And are there other ways that you've seen some advantages? Uh, do, you, do you see the networking easier, uh, conference invitations, speaking Absolutely. engagements? Absolutely, my goodness. Yeah, it's gotten to the point now, Judy, where um, I've had to kind of be uh, more careful and selective. Uh, otherwise, it would overwhelm my, my ability to do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a, what a wonderful problem to have. And so what, it, what it's meant to me in these past three to five years, really, because it was starting before the pandemic, but it's giving me the opportunity and, and really the, the gift of being invited all across the country to different conferences, to be a keynote, uh, to break out you know, types of opportunities to present, to write explainer articles for entities like The Conversation or the American Society for Microbiology, Healthcare Hygiene Magazine. There's several that I do this regularly now. So I was asked to be a contributing author Mm-hmm. Uh, that means if you're a faculty member out there and your groove is nutrition or climate or forensics or whatever it is, you have a platform now to not only share your research, but what I've done more recently, and this is what's so exciting, is now I'm teaming up with alums who are working in Philadelphia and New York. I mean, these are proud bobcats and they're, you know, they're mid-20s. And, and I'm thinking about how some of my mentors let me co-author or let me co-present, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do that now, pay it forward. Yeah. And so to bring back Bobcats into that world now, and they're writing articles for some of these national 
opportunities is is a way to help amplify Texas State's brand because mm-hmm. they're Bobcats. Right. And so graduate students, undergrads, colleagues, you can pull them along with you and suddenly you're, you're really, it becomes a group effort at that point. And that also helps my, my balancing of that workload is right. if I can let um, a professor, Joanna Ellis, who's right down the hall, take on the lead of an article and I can just kind of edit it, that helps both of us. She gets the exposure, she's finishing her PhD, and I get to continue to dabble in mentoring and making sure that article's what it should be. So just just all of those opportunities. What I'm really hoping for now, which is starting to happen, is for me the next step is to have international opportunities. I've had those already with interviews and things like that and writing, but I would love to be invited to speak in you know, an international conference or something. I've done a couple of those. Uh, but typically it was where I was um, applying to do it or, mm-hmm, sure. you know, putting up my own submitting, an submitting extract it or versus something. being invited, yeah. which is a whole different It is totally world. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as far as um, what you see in the future then, because, and, and also what, what would you advise, say, a new assistant professor starting who is very familiar with social media, but not necessarily in this realm. What do you recommend? Yeah, I think it has to start with you have to sharpen your skill set around your research and what you're doing to where you become that expert. You you can be on social media. Don't get me wrong. We, we both are. You and I both are. And anyone can do that, and that's fine. Anyone can have a personality. You can do podcast, which you're doing, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. But if you want to leverage like your research, then you've got to be a researcher, right? So the first word of caution I would give to new, this is to new assistant faculty, is to make sure you're taking care of business so that you're getting that that effort in for your whatever it is, your your productions, your plays, your poetry, your science, your wet your wet lab science, whatever it is, your journalism, whatever it is, get that down. And keep that networking going and continue to build that so that when the opportunity presents itself, you can move forward. Now, once you have that set of, of kind of foundation, because certainly you want to work on tenure. You know, it's always right. about getting tenured when you're first coming in. But once you have that, that ma- critical mass of material to kind of think about, along the way, I just had a conversation by email with a faculty member that was at our workshop last Friday. Mm-hmm about he's written his first article for the conversation, right? So excited for him. And so that sometimes is the tipping point is, okay, now, you know, now what happens next? You get some press from that, kind of run with that, start leveraging that into different opportunities on social media. Don't be afraid to talk to our media team, to our amazing uh, mass comm and journalism professors and others here on campus maybe theater majors, to help hone your skills. And I know we've talked about that at our workshop that perhaps Texas State is going to start thinking about more formal training for faculty. I think we all could use it. I talked about my experiences. It's not something you're – I mean, you can be taught how to be a better communicator. Some people, I think, are somewhat natural at it. But for me, I needed to learn a few things, especially on the speaking side. 
and even the writing side, like I was talking about learning about the lead. Different types it's of writing. It's just different yeah. types of writing. We're used to writing, for me, science research journal articles. That's not how the world necessarily wants to hear you on um, an interview right. or, or in an 800-word article that explains the core points of your COVID experience. You know, they don't want to get into the crazy weeds. They right. want the big picture, right. you know. So just that formal training piece, I think, is something to think about as you're moving through. Don't be afraid to ask, to seek some help. Maybe right. go to a workshop, you know, talk to faculty that are experts in communication. Right. But to really uh, hit that national stage, you really do have to be thinking along the lines of honing your brand, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I do, you know, because, I, I mean, let's face it, I, I had a great opportunity uh, and I can point to other examples here on campus and, and external to our university where events, historical events, open doors, right? It, it could also be a person, you know, don't be afraid. It could be a job. Uh, looking back, you know, I often tell my students, don't be afraid to walk through a door just because it seems scary. I mean, think about it, consider it. Maybe it's not the right time, but don't don't say no to a colleague even outside of Texas State or to a another entity that might say, hey, you know, we're doing X and we'd love to have you talk about your experiences of doing this here. I mean, that's an opportunity and you may not want to say no every time because it gives you that stage to right. kind of start building that brand you're talking about. So it's, you know, again, looking back, it's happened to me. I've been very fortunate. The public health piece early in my career, I got to work on a huge global rabies eradication project that built mentors. I mean, global experts in rabies control from CDC and the WHO. It was kind of cool. I was fanstruck, you know, at the time. But now they're friends and colleagues and mentors. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't stepped into that role, it was a job opportunity that someone believed in me to do. And I did it, you know, and I never realized yeah. I mean, I just did it because it was a little more money, to yeah. be honest with you, in my in my paycheck. But what it turned out to be was a lifetime of gifts. So being open to change. And I think that's that growth mindset. Yeah. And I think that's something we're always telling students about. But sometimes people don't really appreciate you that. You never know the moment. You never know. Until you look back, you know. And so, I mean, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You never know when lightning's going to strike and you might want to be ready to take that opportunity at that moment. You know, I was, another kind of an analogy that I use is people will say, you'll hear it all the time, like, man, I've never, how did that singer be, wow, or that actor overnight? And when you talk to the actor, they're like, I've been doing this for 17 years and yeah, right. local dives. Or, you know, right. And so I feel like part of it is you're, you're grinding, right? The first part mm -hmm. of your career. So you want to stay focused and get that, that experience and that education and networking so that when the opportunity arises and for faculty, that might mean your chair, that might mean your dean or your president asking you to serve in a role you're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. It stretches you. Or maybe you're too busy. You think you're too busy. Maybe you should stop for a moment and think about this is an opportunity yeah. to shine for a president or for my chair. And, and that, that stuff builds. Momentum. And when you look back, you look at every, oh. every opportunity came with a decision it and did. a choice that you were, that you had in front of you. 
And I think that's what I want also my new faculty to think about, too, is that take the chance, create the opportunity. I always tell people that faculty, it's one of the few jobs where you kind of get to chart your own path. It's a great job. It is. It is. It's a great career, and you get to really chart your own journey. You do. Um, you do, and there which, are like three or four ways you can go. You can go the administration route. You can go. You could get hard into, research. You can yeah. be more of a you know master teacher. I mean, right. or an administrator, administrator for life if you want. Absolutely, uh, everything's yeah. important, right? We right. need great people in all roles. Right. The right. other thing I think it's done for me, um, Judy, when we're talking about this, because I've noticed it, and I've even mentioned this to friends and my wife recently, is that. You get better, like anything, with practice at recognizing opportunity. So now I'm 55, you know, and and COVID was certainly something. So I'll tell you just a little story. So I'd, I'd lived through multiple outbreaks over my public health career. And even when I first got here, I'd lived through bird flu. I'd lived through West mm-hmm. Nile virus. Mm-hmm. You may remember some sure. of these things. Anthrax back in the, the sure. horrible year sure. of 2001, 9-11, all that stuff yes. going on. I lived through all that as a young researcher, young public health professional. And so it, what it made me do at that stage of my career, and this might be some advice also, is I started paying attention to, for me, this was uh, what I call public health radars. So I found out the best radars in the digital media, in listservs, and I just kind of monitor them. I didn't even think about this. I just mm-hmm. kind of did it as almost a hobby. I mean, I'm an infectious disease seeking. guy. Yeah, just yeah. kind of watching the radar, and I'm talking globally. And what that did was it really did pay off for COVID looking looking backwards because what happened is I would I would bet that most people here, if the provost was was talking about this the other day at, a, at an event with COVID remembering, and he kept talking about, you know, March, of course, March of 2020, some people were talking about January, February, March. I, I knew this was coming in November of 22 because I was watching the radar and, and we were seeing these cases of uh, flu-like illness mm-hmm. coming out of Wuhan, November China. November 19, you mean? Pneumonia, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. 19, 2019. 2019, yeah. And, and I kept, I actually made a few comments on it in my social media channels and, you know, just kind of talking about it and referring to these different things. And then so when, when December got here in January, I was kind of already thinking and watching. And um, I actually predicted to my wife, we went to one of our final events, which was a basketball game in early March here at Texas State. And our son was doing a study abroad mm-hmm. in London. And I turned to her because I was monitoring my phone. And I said, our son, Landry, he's coming home. He's coming home tomorrow or, for, or Saturday. This was right before wow. spring break. And sure enough, he called us at two in the morning and said, I've got to get a flight. Mm-hmm. They're kicking me out. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, just the, to the point is now when I monitor that, and here's the payoff again for, for faculty listening. If you can be the first yeah. person to write that article or do that talk or make a particular social media post, that's the, that's the viral one because yeah. everybody gets it first. And so for me, writing for ASM and the conversation, I even saw monkeypox kind of coming. Mm-hmm. And I immediately, again, this is the um, self-starting stuff, so sometimes yeah. you have to be willing to do this. I reached out to the conversation. I reached out to ASM mm-hmm. and said, 
I want that article. Mm-hmm. Now I had built my reputation. Sure. sure. But and they're like, okay, let's go. Yeah. And so, eight hundred yeah. thousand reads later. Yeah. You know, it really makes a difference if you're. And it got the information out there sooner rather absolutely. than later. Absolutely. So being able to to do that comes with experience, Monitor your of course. Trends yep. And knowing what you're looking for. Yep. If and you're that expert and you're in that lane, and you're connected, keep looking, right? Mm-hmm. Keep connecting, and you're connecting. I know Lori Fluger always says, "If you're the first, best, or only, <laughs> yes. first, best, and only." That's and right. That's good. It's a good. It uh, is a good thing to think about. It is. Well, do you have any last comments that you would give to someone, a faculty member, or educator, really trying to find their place in the world with their research and teaching? Um, you know, I think I think we kind of talked about it, but I think my my big take-home points would be one of encouragement to know that if we're talking about faculty, so just kind of talking about faculty right now, that it's a journey. You know, it's okay. We had some questions the other day when we were discussing this in our workshop. I think it's overwhelming in your first, second, third year to to even think about building a brand. You're trying to survive. And and that's that's the correct way to think. You want to survive. You want to do what you've got to do you know, hit the points that you need to hit to get tenured. If it's other professional lanes, you're doing what you're doing to get where you need to be. But don't forget to occasionally think about leveraging some of the, your best works uh, and to network. Oh, my God, we all say it, but it just never stops. To this day, uh, I'm going to a conference in April in Wisconsin to do a keynote and I'm going to meet someone for the first time that's an international speaker I met through social media. And we really didn't talk a lot about that, but that's the beauty of social media is that it allows us to be global easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to consider. You can publish, you can work on grants, you can create opportunities globally without ever leaving your office now. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. And then hopefully that'll build into a trip one day or or a talk, but never forget as our leaders would would say and our other mentors, you are a piece of that institution. So always think about your professional image is representing your entity. And I say the same thing to my students. If you want to see me mad, do something to harm the reputation of my program because you're representing 40 years of, of alumni. So definitely keep all those rules and all those smart professional behavior in mind when you're out there on social media and 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 everything else is great just make sure you're kind of being careful in that realm great great advice thank you rodney thank you thank you so much for the opportunity of course thanks for listening to stories of change and creativity please check out the show notes for more information about dr rody and Texas State University, and take a moment to review the podcast. And remember, if you've got a story to share or know someone who does, reach out to me at judyoscom.com. Thanks for listening.